Hello and welcome to the podcast about my upcoming book, Attempting Local. Attempting Local follows my journey as I explore Ireland, surf the waves of the North Atlantic, hike the country's rugged mountains, and travel throughout Europe, all while striving toward a master's degree. It's an extremely honest account of how tough it can be to leave everything behind and move abroad, though it simultaneously demonstrates the beauty of a life of solo travel. Are you a fan of Attempting Local? Make sure to tap that follow button if you listen on Spotify, subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts, and follow at Attempting Local Podcast on Instagram and Facebook to stay updated on relevant info. If you're feeling extra sweet, leave an awesome review as well. Every little thing you do helps Attempting Local grow to inform and inspire more listeners. Now, enjoy the show. Episode number 14, Turning 24 Abroad. Part 2, Donegal, Sleeve League, and Surfing La Hinch. Back in Ireland, I spent this weekend with Maxi Noon, a German friend of mine who also goes to NUIG. For my 24th birthday, I wanted to escape Galway City, so that's exactly what we did. I took a three-hour bus to Dublin to pick up a rental car at 9 a.m., can't rent a car in Galway unless you're 25. I then had to drive two hours back to Galway to pick up Max. Finally, we departed for our destination, Donegal. We'd stay in Donegal that night, hike one man's pass the next day, and come up with a makeshift plan for what to do on Sunday. Maxie and I swapped turns as drivers. Both of us love being behind a wheel, so it was a treat to actually have our own vehicle for three days. We wound through the tight roads toward Mount Aragal to see its eminence before arriving in Donegal for the night, and more than once Max took the car off-road. I know he won't want that fact written down, but I found it equal parts funny and unnerving. Mine was the only name on the rental, and I desperately needed the 1500 euro deposit back. To be fair, the rural roads in Ireland are absurdly small. In the end, we never saw the mountain. It seemed the GPS failed us, and visibility was poor anyway. Feeling a bit deflated, we turned around and weaved toward Donegal Town. Luck hadn't seemed to be on our side, but all that changed in town. We parked, made a failed attempt at eating some Mexican grub, too expensive, and ended up in a little cafe. The meal was as delicious as it was affordable, and the ladies working there provided endlessly helpful tips. Do you have any recommendations for a good place to stay tonight? We're students, so we're trying to keep it reasonably cheap. I inquired of our cheerful waitress. Ah, do you know of the hostel up the road? Oh, you already called? Closed? Damn. Maybe that select place or the pub across the street. I'll run over and see if they have any open rooms. And she was off in a flash. She and her younger comrade were determined to find us a place to stay. She quickly popped back in saying, They've got a room for 80 euro for the both of you. I tried to work him down in price, but he wasn't having any of it. That's not too bad though. 80 euro? I think that's a fair price. We agreed and took her offer, and before we could leave, she gave us four free scones with jam and butter for breakfast. Need those for the hike, you will. The woman was kind, helpful, and she and the younger girl working the till appeared to love their jobs as well as their customers. It was honestly refreshing to be in their presence. They recommended some local pubs, then we departed. Max and I grabbed our bags from the car and booked the room above the bar.
Dude, this room is insane, I said, astonished by its beauty and modern design. It's just not what I expected for a room above a traditional Irish pub. Yeah, man, this is so nice. You can have the bigger bed, birthday boy. We even got a good view of the city center, Max said as he opened the curtains. For a couple of students on a budget, this place was a luxury, the dual-headed shower being my personal highlight. After settling in, Max bought a few cans of beer before we could leave for McCafferty's. It was the local pub most likely to have signs of life in the heart of winter. Not many tourists around at this time of year. When we eventually walked in, it was obvious we were the only out-of-towners. Every patron stared, their heads swiveling as we walked past. The attention seemed to be mostly out of disbelief and curiosity. Why are these strangers here, in January? We laughed off the stairs over a couple of pints. We sat in the beer garden and listened to the live music, one man and his guitar. He had the usual Irish talent in the traditions of Keol. Where are you two from? He asked, vocalizing in front of everyone their same thought. We obliged, and he made conversation about busking in Galway. He was as funny as he was musically inclined. Max and I chatted, listened to the one-man band, and we spoke with any locals brave enough to introduce themselves. Some even bought us Jaeger bombs. It couldn't have been better for the low-key introduction to being 24 that I'd wanted. Local pub in the north part of Ireland, isolated, relaxing, it was perfect. We concluded the night at a reasonable time for the next day's event, the hike on the cliffs of Sleeve League deemed one man's pass. Leaving the shower was the toughest part of the morning, but we had to move our vehicle by 9am before ticketing began. We packed up and slowly ate our scones in the little seat Abitha. It was a decent enough car, but it had a 1 liter engine and little ambition for accelerating quickly. Max and I would laugh as the accelerator touched the floor, and the Ibiza would struggle to get up to speed. The drive to Sleeve League was easy enough. The end was tight but manageable. We parked, geared up, and started up the road, which soon turned to Pilgrim Path. The sheep seemed as confused by our presence as the locals at the pub the night before, and they'd lazily look up at us as they continued to munch on grass. Max and I passed waterfalls, drank from a few of the smaller ones, I always drink mountain water when given the chance, it's good for the soul. And we hiked upward toward the cliff edge. Max once almost lost a boot in the deceptively swampy ground. His legs sank halfway up the calf before he recovered it, much to his displeasure. I bounced excitedly higher, but Max struggled at times. I forgot he had asthma. Miraculously, he forgot too. We stopped often so he could catch his breath. After about an hour and a half, we reached the edge. The sky cleared upon arrival, and we could see down to the breaking waves of the Atlantic, some 500 meters below. We wandered for a bit, unsure where to go, but eventually stumbled upon one man's pass. The hike was aptly named. The path was only a couple feet wide in most places. One side careened at an almost vertical descent to the sea. The other rolled a bit less ominously into a peaceful-looking valley. A fall on either side would surely kill you. You'd tumble for ages before smashing your head into a rock or breaking your neck. Nonetheless, my one goal for the weekend was to set foot on one man's pass. Max and I inched forward, moving cautiously, very aware of the menacing wind and slick rock beneath our feet. We ventured out far enough to a satisfactory point and took in the view. 
Both of us sat on the edge of the cliff and attempted to enjoy the scene as much as possible before the wind became overbearing. When it did, we simply moved to the lower side of our rocky perch and peered into the valley below. You know, so few people will ever see this. Most won't ever come to these cliffs and less will take this hike, I stated. Fewer than 0.01% will ever see what we're seeing from this perspective, Max agreed. You'll just have to imagine the German accent. I'm not sure I could have had a better birthday gift than this. This is too incredible. We sat in silence for a few more minutes, absorbing it all. Nature, the outdoors, wilderness, whatever you want to call it, never ceases to draw me in. It never fails to consume me whole, then spit me back out a changed person, at least for some time. It's as if some powerful side effect lingers once I depart, attaches to me and doesn't let go until I decide to shake it off. I then rid myself of nature's staggering beauty with the demands of the city, the human-crafted environment, which in its own way can be wonderful if I look hard enough. My mind swelled with the incomprehensible and indifferent display that sat in front of me. It seemed this would exist for all time. The weather soon deteriorated though, and we chose to head down before wind and rain came to sweep us over the edge. We managed to see Asaranka waterfall and a sunset on the beach at Bunduran before returning to Galway that night. We'd go out in the city center with friends, and then we'd surf the next day in La Hinge. Yep, we made plans to surf, off the coast of Ireland, in January. I was excited, but admittedly nervous. I'd never attempted the sport, and I never thought my first go would be in such frigid conditions. I drifted off to sleep, imagining scenes from Chris Burkhardt's film, Under an Arctic Sky. You're in luck, mate. Another American just canceled. Could you and your friend do a surf lesson at half one tomorrow? That's 32 each for students, but we've been having trouble with our card machine, so could you bring cash? Oh, and we can't really make change, so could you make it exact? That'd be awesome. We're running a bit of a skeleton crew at the moment, since it's just after Christmas and New Year and all. But half one tomorrow sounds great. We'll see you then. Cheers. This was the phone call I'd had the previous day with one of the guys running La Hinge Surf School. The man on the other end sounded paradoxically flustered and composed, as if he knew he had to ask about the exact change but didn't want to. I saw the humor in it, a couple of surfers running a small shack of a business on a beach in Ireland. The technical difficulties just seemed to fit. But when we arrived, the two guys were efficient, professional, and just plain fun. They fitted Max and me with wetsuits, boots, gloves, and hoods. This, I have to say, was the worst part of the experience. Changing in the almost freezing cold behind the back of a little hut was not my idea of fun. Three girls from the States were offered the heated room inside, so Max and I stripped down to our skivvies in the parking lot, families driving by and all. Within minutes, our hands were turning purple, and they were insufferably difficult to use. Getting the already wet gear on was a tougher task than I could have predicted. But once we were suited up and got moving, blood seemed to rush back away from my chest into my digits. The five of us beginners carried the surfboards out, and Pat, our instructor, led the way to an open part of the beach. His voice mostly disguised by the hurtling wind, Pat explained, Make sure to keep your toes hooked to the back of the board. Paddle ahead of the wave. Hands below your armpits. Push up. Pull your knees forward. 
then pop up on your feet. It was hard to believe it was that simple, but it really was. His lesson probably took less than four minutes and the safety explanation took only one. You could tell he wanted to get us in the water and learn for ourselves, which I greatly appreciated. The nerves had by then receded and I was beaming with excitement. We hauled the boards into the sea and waded out to waist deep water, as per Pat's instructions. It took probably 30 minutes before he pulled me aside saying, remember, get your hands back. They're too far forward. And take your time getting up off your knees, feel the wave for a second first. His words encouraged me to focus a bit more on the technical bits, and I did as he said. In only a few attempts, I finally stood up and rode the rushing water back toward the shoreline. I knew these were beginner waves, but that couldn't hinder the feeling of euphoria. I couldn't stop smiling, laughing in disbelief at how much fun a simple act was. As if I needed another outdoor-based hobby. I already love hiking, whitewater rafting, mountain biking, running. I'm currently getting my Belay certification to start climbing more, and now this? Costs are going to start adding up, time consumed. But I know I have to go back for more. After all, Lahinch is only a little over an hour from Galway. Max was doing just fine as well. He caught a decent wave on his first attempt and it was easy to see how proud he was. I'd go so far as to say it made up for driving the car off the road the day before. Eventually, Max and I both looked at one another and nodded. We turned our boards toward Pat in the shoreline he gazed out from, and we paddled ahead of a good wave. Each of us managed to pop up on our surfboards, and we rode the waves side by side in perfect unison, chatting as if we were sauntering down a sidewalk. It was a surreal experience, and I couldn't owe more thanks to Maxi for suggesting it. He eased my concerns about the cold by saying it would be warm once we got started. He was right, it did. I never once felt cold while surfing, despite the fact it's January. When we inevitably and regrettably ran out of time, we were forced into the cold again, birthed from our wetsuits into the cruelest of temperatures. Wind blasted and soaked to the bone, we stripped down nude behind the shack to change into dry clothes. Cars rolled by, fully exposed to the scene. I'm pretty sure they got a bit of a show and saw more than just our naked bums. I wasn't concerned in the slightest though. I was a surfer dude now. It was all just part of the deal. Hey everyone, I'm Cullen. Thank you for listening to episode number 15 of my upcoming book, Attempting Local. This novel took over two years to create, from the idea's inception to editing this final version. The endeavor first required about eight months of planning, applying, and test taking just to get accepted and then to prepare for university in Galway. I then worked through an arduous year-long accelerated master's program, all while traveling and experiencing the country, just to keep an entertaining and detailed, handwritten journal to share with others. Lastly, I had to transcribe all four physical journals onto my laptop, edit, re-edit, send to my editor Sarah, and send to publishers. And I'm still currently sending submissions in. This process has taken an immense amount of time and money, and I'm still working on the attempting local project. All I ask is, if you're passionate about this podcast, desire the information it provides, or just look forward to the fun listening experience that it offers, please go ahead and support it. Simply head to anchor.fm forward slash Cullen dash McNamara or visit patreon.com forward slash Cullen Mac. Your help and support will go a long way in keeping this podcast up and running. You'll fuel my ability to create and share this beautiful and timely piece of work with all of you. And hopefully one day this will finally get published in print. So thank you again and enjoy listening to Attempting Local A Year Abroad in Galway, Ireland.